Pastor Xavier Reese and the true hope and the simple truth. In chapter 7, Hebrews said, But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Oh, great. Come to him. What is your need? Go to him. Don't go to man. Go to him. Let us run to him for every need. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Throughout the years, man has had many shortcomings, mishaps, and blunders. And as a consequence, did God have to constantly rewrite the story of mankind over the years? Well, according to Pastor Xavier, God has always had a very special plan for His people. Today, He helps reveal that hope as he explores the simple truths unearthed in the book of Hebrews with today's Bible study. Let's listen. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. The message is entitled, Jesus, our great high priest. The high priest was a key person. He was the go-between God and man. Once a year, he would go into the Holy of Holies beyond the veil, and he would make atonement for the sins of the nation. Without the high priest, the nation had no access to Yahweh. He was a key. Yet now, the time had come that the entire priestly order, as well as the sacrificial Levitical system, was to become obsolete. Yahweh would confirm this, even as he would allow the temple to be destroyed in 70 AD through Titus, the Roman general, and that would be the last time that there would be any sacrifice regarding the Jews. So the high priest was the very center of their national life next to God, for he alone could make reconciliation for the people. He is key. And so the author Paul now declares three reasons why the Christian is to have confidence in Jesus as their high priest. Let me read these verses, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The first reason is found in verse 14. Jesus is the heavenly high priest. The second reason in verse 15, Jesus is a humane priest. And then verse 16, Jesus is a helpful high priest. Three reasons. Notice he begins with Jesus being the heavenly high priest in verse 14. Jesus is the righteous high priest. That's why he's in heaven. The Old Testament high priest, as you know, was the son of Abraham, the son of Aaron. But this great high priest is Jesus, the son of God. The God who became man through the incarnation to reconcile the world to himself is our high priest, as he has already stated from the very beginning in chapter 1, verse 3. The book opens up with this priesthood. The high priest's office is being executed today by our great high priest, Jesus Christ, to save men and women and to benefit those who are saved as their high priest. Now notice, secondly, Jesus is a humane high priest. That's the second reason. Jesus is the reliable high priest here. 
First he was a righteous, holy priest. Now he's a reliable priest. Notice in verse 15 first, Jesus our high priest is not like other men who cannot understand our failures. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus our high priest experienced every form of temptation we will ever experience. This is important that you understand because we often blame God. Well, God doesn't understand. What's God doing over there playing with me and what's he having fun out with life, suffering? No, 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 no. Listen, but was in all points tempted as we are. Jesus was tempted in all points as we are and therefore understands the struggles of our flesh. Jesus, as you know, was made a little lower than the angels, crowned with honor and glory as he became incarnate in chapter 2, verse 6 through 9. Therefore, in all things, he says in chapter 2, verse 17, he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He's already prepared this section in chapter 2, verse 17. And in verse 18, he says, For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid, help those who are tempted. Jesus was tested in the very same areas that you and I always are tested. Three areas, you know that. First John 2.16, the lust of the flesh, turn these stones to bread. The lust of the eyes, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. The pride of life, cast yourself from the pentacle. Everyone, Jesus said, no. Jesus understands poverty, hunger, loneliness, treachery, everything that you and I will ever go through. And more, he defeated Satan. Notice thirdly here that in verse 15, that Jesus, our great high priest, never sinned being tempted. This is important. Yet without sin. The strength of resistance must be greater than the strength of the temptation or the tempter. And the only one who can know the full strength of something is to oppose it consistently and completely to the end. So Jesus, the God-man, depended on the Father through the power of the Spirit of God to resist temptation, and he incurred the full force of those temptations. The wisdom in resisting temptation is that it reveals dependency for strength resulting in character. And so as Jesus depended on the Father, so we depend upon him now to be strong, to be victorious. Jesus, the Son of Man, identifies his humanity as man who was tempted. So we can't ever say, you don't understand, Jesus. In both Matthew and Luke, the appeal to Jesus by Satan was, since you're the Son of God, Jesus answered every time, man, in fact, he said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4, man. Jesus meant Satan, listen, as the last Adam, the man from heaven, to show that Jesus as man could resist. There is no sin in being tempted, but in yielding to the temptation, that's sin. Okay? So Jesus, as God-man, often protects every one of us 
as we depend upon him. So it would be a real danger to deny that he's our high priest. And we have to understand as looking at this that every temptation he went through was a reality. Now, some say there was no potential of failure in the temptation of Jesus, the last Adam, as there was in the first Adam. Now understand what I'm saying. We've already established that he was without sin. But some people have gone to such extents to protect the deity of Jesus Christ in the incarnation that they say there was no potential. Now, if there was no possibility of failure, there could not have been a real temptation. And if there was no real temptation, there could not have been any real victory. And then we have to conclude that God has deceived us. Think about it. No one has ever awarded a prize of first place unless there's a possibility for second, third, or fourth. So in a way that we do not understand, there had to have been a potential as there was in Adam because for God to defeat Satan is no big deal. That's not a temptation. The divine nature of Jesus did not partake in the temptation. James assures us of this. Listen to James 1, 13 and 14. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot tempt, be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So if God cannot be tempted by evil then the divine nature of Jesus certainly wasn't involved, was it? Now, don't go divide Jesus into this. this. No, we do it for the sake of understanding this. Man shall not live by bread alone. The last Adam is the one who defeated Satan. Just like the first Adam failed. A parallel temptation. Just as God knew that the first Adam would fail, God knew that the last Adam would not fail. Jesus, our great high priest, understands every temptation to its ultimate strength, and therefore, he can be sympathetic with our weaknesses. I can be assured of that. In fact, he says in chapter 7, verse 26, for such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. The sum total of this, when he gets to chapter 8, verse 1, listen to him. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. It's the bottom line. We have a great high priest interceding for us. We should hold that confession and profession and never let go of it. Jesus is a humane high priest. Let us rejoice that he understands us in our weaknesses. We go to him. He understands. Now notice the third reason he gives in verse 16. Jesus is the helpful high priest. Here he is the resourceful high priest. Notice first the personal response 
that each Christian is to have. Let us therefore come boldly or with confidence unto the throne of grace. The choices made by the expression of one's own free will. This is the fourth imperative command. Let us. We've gone through a bunch of them last time. Therefore, Hebrews 4.1 said, Since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. And then in 4.11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, the rest of salvation. He talked about the rest of creation. He talked about the rest of Canaan. And then he talked about the rest of salvation. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience, the example of those in the wilderness. And then here in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, he says. The manner in which the believer is to come is what? Boldly. And the word has already been dealt with in our past studies. It means freedom of speech. We come freely declaring that Jesus is our high priest confidently. We are assured of this. We are persuaded of this. We see his fulfillment. And so the apostle, the high priest, the God-man, the Messiah of God, having uh, no confidence in the flesh, he's the one I confess. He's the one that my boldness is in, even as Paul told the Philippians in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 and 20. No confidence in the flesh, no confidence in the law, no confidence in my works, no confidence in anything I can do. No lack of confidence in what I cannot do. My confidence in him, in him alone. And so this is the only reasonable conclusion based on all that has been presented as truthful fact about Jesus. We should preserve the acknowledgement of Jesus being the apostle and high priest of man before God, approaching with full confidence. Because he is superior to the prophets, to the angels, to Moses, to the first Adam, to Joshua, and he's going to be demonstrated to Aaron. We come by God's grace by which he tasted death for every man in chapter 2, verse 9, resulting in the finished work of the cross. So grace is how I come, unmerited favor. I trust what he did for me, him alone. And notice the place where the Christian is to go is the throne of grace, not the throne of judgment. The Old Testament priest, as you know, did service in the holy place, the regular priests, all year long, but only in the holy place once a year by the high priest. The Old Testament high priest could only come into the Holy of Holies through the veil to see the Shekinah glory over the mercy seat once a year, that not without blood and many washings, and that was it. Now you and I as a believer, we come and we enter before the throne of grace in heaven. The fulfillment of it. There's the contrast. Notice that he also gives us the purpose of each believer in coming to the throne of grace. It's for necessary provisions that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The obedient response 
demonstrates a dependency on Jesus. I turn to him. The word obtain means to take hold of, to receive with one's hand. Voluntary, not forcibly. This is our decision. The things that is wanting is the things that we're trying to obtain. And first of all, he says, we need to obtain mercy, elios, expressing goodwill and kindness towards those in misery and those in need. Mercy is literally less than we deserve. If God gave us what we deserve, we'd be in bad shape. He's merciful, high priest. And the sphere in which we operate in, notice, is the throne of grace. To find grace, unmerited favor, that which is lovely, affords joy and pleasure as God intended it. The word find means to come upon, to hit upon. You go through the internet and you hit a website. You're drawing resources from it. This is what it's talking about. This is the covenant of the last days. This is the high priest of the last days. And so we are to submit to grace. We're not to do insult to the grace of God as he has tasted death for every man in Hebrew 2.9. The spirit can be grieved, can be quenched, can be insulted. We are to have grace that we may serve God. Later on, he tells us in chapter 12, verse 28. We can't serve him without grace. It is good for our hearts to be established with grace. Hebrews 13, 9. In fact, when he gets done with this whole exhortation in chapter 13, 25, he's going to commend these believers to the grace of God. Grace. Now, the objective of this grace, notice, is to help in time of need. The phrase help in time of need means for seasonal help that fits the need. There are some times when you and I need help desperately. Times of testings, times of trials. That's when we're to come. The believer comes not for salvation, but for the benefits of salvation. For he and she are still imperfect. The believer will fail through weaknesses, through sin nature. But we trust the throne of grace that it may be the exception, not the rule. Jesus is our sufficient high priest, our great high priest. There are certain kinds of ants that have a passion for the sweet, granular substance given off by the caterpillar of a large blue butterfly. They can become so addicted, we are told, that they even seek out this supplier and carry it back into their nest with delight. But they unwittingly bring home an enemy in disguise, for he, the caterpillar, gorges himself exclusively on ant larvae. Usually such a threat to the colony would be repelled with great vigor, but the adults enjoy the tasty secretion of their guests so much that they are oblivious to the fact that their young are being devoured in the process. This is temptation. Temptation can cost 
so much and be so destructive. So we need to be bold in our coming to the only one that can help us before the throne of grace, him. We're to have boldness because we have access with confidence through faith in him, Ephesians 3.12 says. I do not come on my own merit. I do not come because I am a pastor. I do not come because I think I'm perfect. I come because I am in Christ. And so the believer often limits the Lord rather than God limiting what he wants to do for the believer in view of his wealth and inheritance of that wealth. Listen to him in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him, speaking about Christ, who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all I can ask or think. I limit the Lord. He's there for me to meet my needs. I need to come. Now the source of all the believer is asking is under grace. Nothing but grace. As the opening introduction of Ephesians says. Listen to Ephesians 1-2. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to bring every request to God that we might have peace with God that surpasses all our understanding to guard our minds and our hearts through Christ Jesus through prayer, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We are to recognize that God can and may say no to our request and be open to these words. Listen to them. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. God will say no to you sometimes. Can you handle that? Now, you know how your children pout when you say no to them. Keep that picture because when God says no to you, don't be like your children. His delays don't mean they're denials. He may have it later. But he may say no. Be open. It's the best for you. In fact, in chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 of Hebrews, it says, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Oh, great. Come to him. If you being evil know how to good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give to you? And one aspect says the Holy Spirit, and another aspect says gifts. What's your need is? What is your need? Go to him. Don't go to man. Go to him. Jesus is the helpful high priest. Let us run to him for every need. And so the apostle has declared these three reasons why the Christian is to have confidence in Jesus as their high priest. Jesus is the heavenly high priest. Let us never waver from this confession. Jesus is our righteous high priest. Jesus is a humane high priest. Let us rejoice that he understands us. He is a reliable high priest. And Jesus is a helpful high priest. Let us run to him for every need. Jesus is a resourceful high priest. Man, we have it made, don't we? Uh, don't say you're hungry when you reach in your pocket, you have $100. Pull it out. <laughs> Go buy something. He's a faithful high priest. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, and the one with inexhaustible resources, and one who is ready to help you in the time of need. And today's message, titled, Jesus Our High Priest, is available on CD for only $4. By the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is, Jesus Our High Priest, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it's important that you include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This way we can check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What's the ultimate purpose of life? The answer is coming up next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reef. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com